Rafer, I have some fun facts today. Okay, I love a fun fact. Some some fun facts to share with you that you may or may not know. Okay. Fact number one, girls read more than boys. I did not know that. They do. They read more than boys. And I mean, is it any wonder there are so many young adult novels and dystopian novels and uh, other literature targeted just at girls? Yes, right. Girls love to read and girls read more than boys read. That's interesting. That's fact number one. Okay. Fact number two, the top grossing movie last year was a Hunger Games movie. Aha. Starring a female lead that we all know, Jennifer Lawrence. Yes. Familiar with her. Yes. And fact number three, women still get paid quite a bit less than men, not just 70 cents on the dollar in jobs overall, but also in Hollywood. Yes. Which Jennifer Lawrence has made uh, very vocal and been very vocal about and uh, encouraged her her co-star, Bradley Cooper, to be transparent with his salary. Yes. Yes, she sure has. And so I'm very curious to see with... All the success of the sales of the Hunger Games books, uh, along with the success of the Hunger Games films, if this is going to result in any changes in Hollywood and if that will trickle down to other arenas. And I'm not feeling overly optimistic about it, but I sure would love it if that would happen. I am feeling optimistic about it, actually. Really? Yes, I am. Why is that? Uh, Well, let's talk about that. When we get to The Hunger Games, we'll talk about the final the final episode of The Hunger Games. This franchise that you're talking about with a female, female hero uh, is coming to an end. Um, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about The Night Before. Not, I would say, a female-oriented film uh, <laughs> starring Seth Rogen and uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And then uh, Secret in Their Eyes, a, a dramatic thriller starring Nicole Kidman, Julia Roberts, and Chiwetel Ejiofor, star-packed cast there. We'll talk about all those and more in a minute. But first, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Rafer Guzman, movie critic for Newsday. And I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture producer for The Takeaway. And this is Movie Date. Kristen, let's start with the most star-packed film of this week, Secret in Their Eyes. Tell us about this one. Ah, so as you were saying, this stars the great Chiwetel Ejiofor, Nicole Kidman, and Julia Roberts. And notably, this is a remake of an Argentinian film based on a best-selling novel. The Argentinian film won Best Foreign Language Film at the Oscars a few years ago. And it centers on some FBI agents who are trying to fight terrorism after September 11th while they are investigating terrorism and specifically one mosque. They find a rape and murder victim, and it turns out that she is the daughter of one of our main characters, Julia Roberts. They go in to investigate this case, and then things get a little more twisted from there. Here's a clip. Let's kill him. Let's let's do it now before we lose him again. We just do it, and that's it. He goes. Nobody will miss him. We'll make the case on the mosque without him, and Carolyn gets to rest. And then what? What would a few bullets get me? A lifetime in jail so he dies without ever serving a day, and I spend the next 50 years envying him. Does that sound like justice to you? Now, as they go in to investigate things, they find out that their prime suspect is actually one of the informants for the anti-terrorism investigation team. So they can't really do everything they want to to prosecute him for the crime of rape and murder because he's their informant. So things go back and forth in time. This goes over the course of 13 years while they're continually trying to track down this guy. So, Rafer, what did you think of all this? 
Well, as you said, um, Chiwetel Ejiofor, great from 12 Years a Slave, uh, Julia Roberts, Nicole Kidman, um, quite a cast, Alfred Molina as a bonus. Uh, and so you do have this great cast here. Uh, and as you said, the film's got a pedigree. It's based on this novel, which was made into a successful film that won an Oscar. Um, and so, and oh, and also the director and writer is Billy Ray, whose yes. uh, credits include Captain Phillips. Um, and so, you know, you've got all this talent uh, here in this movie. So why does this movie not work on almost any <laughs> level that I can think of? Not all, all, it well, just... let me guess what levels you're talking about. Okay. But the pacing? Yeah, the pacing. Extremely <laughs> slow from the start. And you know it. It's just the um, the opening sequence, the opening sequence of Chiwetel Ejiofor looking through some databases and the, the, the cutting, the editing in it. I just knew from the start this is going to be a dinger. All right. The, how well the characters are drawn. Yes. Also, also not that well. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'll tell you my favorite character in this is the perpetrator, the guy that they're hunting this entire time. He is, if I can get this straight, an informant who, is, uh, who uh, hangs out at a uh, mosque that's, uh, in, that's uh, uh, frequented by terrorists. Um, his name is Pac-Man. He goes by the nickname Pac-Man. He likes to draw comic books. He's really into horse racing. He's a massive baseball fan, and he secretly yearns to be a cop. And also, he's a psychotic rapist and murderer. I just, I would love to know if the FBI has a database of, of profiles that match this guy. I've never heard of this human being. I, I, don't, I don't feel like any of us have ever heard of a guy like this. And yeah, the characters oh, are Kidman terrible. is worse. You think her character is, oh, is, is more Kidman poorly is, drawn? Is, oh, she's just horrible. The long pauses. Is she supposed to be a good guy or a bad guy? Is she good at her job? Is she bad at her job? Is yeah. she in a romance? Does she actually have feelings for she would tell Edgia for? It is so impossible to tell any of these things. At one point in the movie, we find out that she's married for 12 years to her husband. And he's like, well, he's essentially been in this house the whole time. Like, what? She's been carrying a torch for him for 12 years? Right. I know. No, it, none of this makes sense. None of, none of it makes sense. It's such a um, – so convoluted. Um, the, the, the directing and the editing, I think, are really scattershot. It's very disorganized the way it's told. Um, and just like like I'm like I'm saying, just none of the details, none of the details add up. They they all seem wrong to me. That's I was I was amazed when they're trying to find this van. There's they're trying to you know the the perpetrator has driven this van. They can't find it. Days go by. Days go by. We found the van. We found the van. They run to find it, and it's like in the middle of a major thoroughfare burning. <laughs> I, I just thought thought, you like couldn't a, find the van. It's it part, like it's, it was on a platform in front of like the state house, or like something. in front of the courthouse, yeah. or so. I was like, <laughs> yeah, the van is in front of like a municipal building, parked parked like half on the curb on fire. You couldn't find the van. I just so many details like that, and of course they do. The cops, FBI agents, trained FBI agents, do my favorite thing when they spot the perpetrator in a crowd. They point at him and start screaming. Oh yeah, and while they're a hundred feet away, right? That way they don't get up close and sneak behind him. <laughs> right. They don't surround him. No, they yell at him so that he's 100 feet away. And that damn right. perpetrator every time he runs. Yes. Oh, yes. God. Oh, why does so he frustrating. do that? Oh. Why do we never learn? <laughs> Secret in their eyes. I thought this was so bad. This was such a bad date. What a bummer, right? All it, these great people. Julia Roberts is almost pretty good in this. She's the best in this. Right? She's Don't you by, think? She's by far the best. She has, you know, she's the most invested. She lets herself age. She lets yes. herself look haggard. And she, she looks great in the in the latter day, the more the more recent uh, scenes when she has aged. Uh, she, she looks, and it's it's not just makeup. I think it's the way she's carrying herself. Yes. It's her acting. She's yeah, really and, good. Yeah, and she also had special contact lenses in, she said, ah, I to did make not her know eyes that. look dead and milky. Interesting. Yes. That I did not know. Yes, and so 
one last thing I'll say. There are some explosive reveals. True. You might say. But it takes so long to get to them that at that point I'm just like, I don't care. Yeah. Two hours feels I, like four in this movie. I do not care. Bad date. Bad date. Secret in their eyes. Oh, no. No. Don't, don't waste your time, folks. On to a little something that you know I'm excited about, but I missed it. This is two episodes of Movie Day in a row where you saw the Christmas movie and I did not see. The I know. Christmas well, movie. you were you were you were deathly ill, yeah, so I, you I couldn't see this one. I was way too ill, and it breaks my heart because I wanted to see these Christmas movies with you. Last week I missed Love the Coopers. This week I missed The Night Before. Tell me about The Night Before, Rafer. Well, this is from uh, the team that brought us 50-50, the director, Jonathan Levine, um, Seth Rogen, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who both starred in that movie. Um, that was a very sweet movie about uh, with Joseph Gordon-Levitt as a guy who gets cancer at a very young age, and Seth uh, Rogen plays his best friend who is trying to help him through it. I liked that movie a lot. I know you're a fan of that movie as yes, well. Yes, I am. So these, this filmmaking team comes back together. They're also joined by Anthony Mackie. Uh, and this is about a trio of friends who um, for many years have had a tradition of going out and partying hard on Christmas Eve. And uh, yeah, years go by and the three characters, uh, well, two of, the, two of the three characters have grown up, Seth Rogen and Anthony Mackie. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character is a little bit stuck. He's still out there chasing the dream of trying to find this mythical party that eludes him every year, the Nutcracker Ball. Here's a clip. What is this party called? Why, you haven't heard? It's a Nutcracker Ball. The acts all around, but to no avail. What was this great party? And though year upon year, they tried and they failed. They never did tire. They never did bail. Is the Nutcracker Ball just a drug fueled party. Is that all it is? It's just you, a bunch of drugs and sex. You know what these parties look like when you walk into them. There's uh, you know, uh, glitter everywhere and women dancing uh, on the tables and people are making out and there's some great DJ and you, you, you know what it looks like, right? I don't want to go to that party. I don't want to go to that party either. I never <laughs> wanted to go to that party even when I was of, of partying age. Uh, at any rate, um, I was expecting something with a little more heart, given that Fifty Fifty was such a sincere yeah. and kind of an emotional, I bald and bald during yeah. That movie. I mean, that's a, that's a really great, sweet, and also funny movie. And this just seems pretty calculated to be one of these party hardy movies. Seth Rogen plays a character that I don't think is a stretch for him. He plays a guy who is freaking out about having a baby. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure we saw him do that once before. Uh, he takes a lot of drugs. Uh, you know, he takes We've too many shrooms. have seen him do that a lot of times. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what I'm saying to you. Uh, you know, Mindy Kaling is in this movie. Uh, oh, I love her. Completely wasted. A, t- a wasted part. Um, uh, and, you know, I just felt like this was really typical kind of shtick that just didn't add up. It felt, um, I don't know how to say it. Not cynical. It just felt like it just felt like very familiar, pandering kind of stuff we've seen before. The one thing that is almost almost worth recommending this movie for is that one of the co-stars, oddly enough, is Michael Shannon, uh, the great Michael Shannon. Mm, I love who, him. He's fantastic from Ninety Nine Homes and Revolutionary Road. He shows up playing a mythical uh, drug dealer named uh, Mr. Green who's always got this incredible magical pot and Michael it's just very odd to see Michael Shannon who's so intense and and kind of has those kind of laser focused eyes <laughs> playing this kind of uh, kind of hip hop talking <laughs> drug dealer that was almost worth the price of admission but not 
So I would say this was a pretty bad date. Oh, so I should not see The Night Before. I, I don't think you've missed a, a real special Christmas movie here, Darn Kristen. it. This is really bumming me out. This is I know. two weeks in a row. Bad Christmas movies. Yeah, Love the Cooper is also not good. Let's move on to the Hunger Games, colon, Mockingjay, dash, part two. That's it. Yes, this is the fourth of the Hunger Games movie based on the Hunger Games trilogy, which um, uh, has been going on now. This is the third year of movies, and Mm -hmm. they started in 2012, starring Jennifer Lawrence. And boy, have things changed. In the beginning, Jennifer Lawrence had just come out of doing Winter's Bone. Yep. And now she's just a giant megastar in Hollywood. A global superstar, yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Got an Oscar under her belt. Yeah, she's come a long way. All those things. So in this movie, we continue the story from the last Hunger Games. Now, note I just said this is the fourth movie, even though it's based on the trilogy. So they split up the last book into two films, which you know how I feel about that, Rafer. I know you do. I've already criticized that with Twilight. I already criticized that with Harry Potter. I understand the studios want to stretch as many movies out as they can. They want to collect as many dollars as they can from ticket sales. But... This just, oh, I, I just don't think this works in most cases. So in this movie, they split them up again. This movie takes uh, up the action, if you want to call it action, where the last movie ended. We have Katniss Everdeen. She is now part of the revolution, the rebels trying to overthrow President Snow. She's already been forced to be in not just the Hunger Games, but the Quarter Quell Games. That's right. And she is going to, along with the rebels, now led by Julianne Moore with a very, very smart media team, which does all sorts of PR around her. Yes. They're And also with Katniss as their figurehead. She's their main public image person. They're going to go in there. They're going to take down President Snow. And they're going to put up possibly a new government that may or may not be as corrupt. Here's a clip. You're considered high-value targets to the Capitol. Our unit has been given a hollow, a database that contains a detailed map of the Capitol and a list of every known pod. These pods can trigger anything from bombs to traps to mutts. Whatever they contain, they're meant to kill you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 76 Hunger Games. So as I was saying before, Rafer, these movies where they take the last book in a trilogy and stretch it out into two movies, I, I, I don't think I was subtle about it. I hate that in all other cases. Yep. And in this case, it does not work either to me. And why do you say that? The first 45 minutes of this movie are essentially people meeting and talking and discussing and explaining and strategizing. And all I could think was, why did I show up for the first 45 minutes of this movie? By the time action actually starts to happen, it's almost an hour into the movie before anything even resembling action happens in this movie. Yep. We don't need more talking. We just saw the last Mockingjay movie, which was all talking. Yes. I think there were two action scenes in the last one. And going into this one, I thought, why did they stretch these out? Well, yeah, as you say, I think they, they do it because they want to uh, milk it for all it's worth, ticket-wise. Um, I, I, I think... This series, um, I liked the first movie quite a bit, and, I, and I, I didn't think it was perfect. I didn't think it was a great film, but I thought it was really interesting, and it introduced us to this whole new world that seemed to have a lot of potential for um, action, and but also some thought-provoking themes on um, entertainment and the media and government, um, all kinds of things like that. Um, you know, poverty and wealth, uh, class, all these things. Uh, and as this series has gone along, I feel like it's gotten much less interested in all of that and much more interested in just 
large sets and um, costumes and fashion and the romance, which I find completely <laughs> unconvincing. I find the romance between Katniss Everdeen and um, uh, Peter Mellark, who is Josh Hutcherson, played by Josh Hutcherson, and also Gail Hawthorne, played by Liam Hemsworth, these two rival suitors for Katniss's attention, I find so tiresome. I know. Every time during the screening this week, every time when there would be another face-to-face with one of them or a potential kiss, your your arms would fly up in the air, Rafe, yeah. and you'd just shake your head. <laughs> just, every they, time I'd see out of the corner of my eye, arms flying in the air, I'd look over and you'd just be shaking your head. <laughs> well, and I, I just, I say again, I, I, bring, I bring this up again because I feel like it just undermines the whole point of what's interesting about the movie, which is that Katniss Everdeen is this very strong female character, and yet... She's not. She doesn't know her own heart, which she says at the beginning of the film. You know, she kisses Gail and Gail says, you know, what are you doing or what are you thinking? And she says, I don't know. And I just thought, I'm sorry. It's very difficult for me to get behind this character if she doesn't know what she's doing. And and it's very hard for me to get behind her as a sort as this iconic, strong willed female character when she's behaving like a kid, and she's behaving like such a teenager. Well, she is a teenager too. I Remember? mean, she, I mean, she is, but it just it doesn't it doesn't ring true. And you know what? I have to say also, part of the fault is Josh Hutcherson, who I just think I've never liked from the get go in this series. I feel that he has always been poorly cast. Peter Mullark should have been anybody else except for him. He's ju- he's just he's just a low energy presence in the film, and he doesn't. And whenever the whenever the two of them are together, I never feel any heat or any electricity. They seem like brother and sister, and mm-hmm. it seems very platonic. And so I don't feel like. You know, there's any kind of uh, there's no draw uh, Why would between you ever them. Choose him over Gail, right? Exactly. Not that you know Gail has ever said anything that you know really <laughs> really got my attention, but whatever. Anyway, I I have to agree with you. I think these series have gotten th- these films have gotten progressively worse over the course of the series, and I I think this is actually the worst one. I found yeah. this so boring, and a really disappointing end to a franchise that I I, I admit I was already kind of sick of. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a pretty bad date. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I think it was a really bad date. I really liked the first two films. As you know, the second film I liked more than the first. Really? Which you and I disagreed yes, with before. Yes, we, we did disagree. But, but I liked the second film more than the first. And I just wish that these last two films were put into the one film they should have been, that they would have been about action, they would have been about change, and less about conversation, yes. and less about boardroom meetings. Nobody wants to be in a boardroom meeting. Why would you want to watch one? I agree. For two hours, one hour in each movie. Nobody wants to watch that stuff. Bad day. All right, well, stay with us because when we come back, we have a bunch of listener mail to go through, including a letter from somebody who has some criticisms. I'm Rafer Guzman. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. And this is Movie Date. And we receive a lot of great comments from you, our movie daters, out there on our Facebook page regularly, facebook.com slash Podcast. We encourage you to always write in if you're agreeing with us, if you're disagreeing with us, if you have a suggestion for a film you think that we should watch or a TV show. And, of course, if you want to criticize or respond to a question that we've put out there for you. So... A recent question that we put out there, very recent, just from a few days ago in our last podcast, we were talking about the question, Rafer, of which movies you have not seen. And when those movies come up in conversation, people say, what? 
Yes. You haven't seen that? What's wrong with you? People Why haven't get, you seen people that? People get all insulted. <laughs> like it's a personal attack. Yes. And Ray, for you and I both shared our lists of movies that uh, are top three that people most often are incensed that we have not seen. Yes. So some of you wrote in as well with movies that you haven't seen. You wrote and you called in. And we wanted to play some of those messages because we thought they were so great. So let's start with a voicemail from Liz in Queens. Hi, Kristen. Hi, Rafer. This is Liz calling from Queens, not too far. Um, and I wanted to uh, let you know my movie that I've never seen, or I guess movies that I've never seen. Um, oh, gosh. Confession. None of the Star Wars movies. I know this is actually crazy, but I will be binge watching them. So I can see the new one that's coming out soon. But, yeah, I definitely had to get that off my chest. (laughs) All right. Bye. Well, Liz, that's a pretty major one. Star Wars. But you know what I'm going to say about that, Liz? It's okay if you don't see Star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it is, Liz. Liz, I think you have to at least see the first. I Okay, this is something I'm going to say. I I know people say I get on my feminist high horse too much on this show. But did you know that there are only three female characters with names in the first trilogy? (laughs) Is that right? Three with names? Uh, yeah. yeah, I guess that doesn't surprise there me. There just are no women in any of these. And then once the reboots happened, Jar Jar, hello, yeah, Jar well, Jar. I mean, yeah. there, there are so many problems. There are yeah. so many problems. I'm going to say, Liz, if you were alive in the 1970s, you probably should have seen the originals back then. But now it's 2015. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree. I disagree, Kristen. Okay, what's our next one? Oh, by the way, Liz, you called us at 5717 Movies, which listeners, Rafer likes it when you call that number. I do. I, I like it too, but I always say it's it's fine to go to Facebook.com slash Movie Date Podcast, where a few of you wrote in. Here's a comment we got from Lynn Stein. She wrote to us at Facebook.com slash Movie Date Podcast. She said, I was listening to this week's podcast while getting ready for work this morning and had to let you know that I've never seen Casablanca. People talk about this iconic movie quite a bit. It's often on a top movies of all time list. And, of course, there's the oft-quoted, here's looking at you, kid, that we hear people repeat in everyday conversations. And I've tried to sit through The Godfather, but I'm bored to death. All that mumbling from Marlon Brando, (laughs) that's my two cents. Well, thanks, Lynn. Um, Again, you really ought to see Casablanca. Okay, I'm going to agree with Rafer on that one. Casablanca, if you can see it, see it. And I will also say... um, that you will be greatly rewarded by seeing it. It's not. This is not a vegetable movie. You don't have to choke this one down. You know, it's not. It's you don't. You don't. You don't eat it just because it's good for you. This is a great, super entertaining, wonderful, wonderful romantic Hollywood film. It's really one of the best. And I think if you watch it, even though it's black and white and from a long time ago, and you're kind of sick of hearing people talk about how great it is, I think you'll probably agree that it's pretty great. And then after you see it, I want you to watch When Harry Met Sally because there's a scene where they're both watching it and deconstructing it. Ah, uh, yes, that's right. Each in their own beds, watching it on late night television. So that's my assignment for you, Lynn. That's a good one. If you, if you can do that. All right. We also got a letter from longtime listener Mary. Mary writes, I was listening to this week's podcast while I was out, and as soon as you guys said you were going to talk about the movies people are appalled you haven't seen, I started thinking about what I would say when I got home to reply. And then, of course, Kristen said exactly what I was thinking. People are so shocked and amazed that I have yet to see The Godfather, despite having two film degrees. I did watch Blade Runner in film school when we talked about art direction. But I'm almost afraid to watch The Godfather because it's been built up so much by so many that I'm not sure it can live up to all that. I do also have to say I have never seen Rocky. I'm far more shocked about Rocky than I am about The Godfather. <laughs> you know, I actually 
think Rocky is a pretty good movie. Oh, you Rocky's a great movie. You don't need to see the rest of them. I know you're probably thinking, Mary, but Sylvester Stallone wrote it. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, but I mean, I will say though that still, Sylvester Stallone was kind of a kind of a wunderkind back then. I mean, he was a real out of nowhere, uh, you know, Hollywood success story. He just kind of came out of the gate with this great, fantastic movie that became a huge hit. And the movie itself was an underdog film, you know, about mm-hmm. about un- underdo- an underdog. Um, Rocky's great. And so is Rocky too. No, no. Yes, just, just it is. Oh Rocky. my God! With just Mr. See... T, come on, Rocky no, two is great. Just see the first Rocky. So is Rocky three. No, Rocky three really? is really good too. And yes, Rocky seven and upcoming Creed. Now Rocky four, not so great. It does get to be diminishing returns. And I will say, do not watch the most recent one, which was Rocky Balboa. That was um, oh, that God. was a travesty. That was horrible. That was that was pretty awful. But the original Rocky. A great movie, and again, very rewarding. I think you'd be very happy to have seen it. (laughs) All right. So thank you so much, everybody, for writing and calling in with your responses of the movies that you haven't seen that people are appalled about. We also have um, a letter that we – a comment, if you will, that came in on our Facebook page that we want to address that came in for Rafer. Now, we got a comment here that uh, might be from Carrie Flynn or it might be from Ellen Brown. Uh, I'm sorry to be uh, unclear on that, but it's a little confusing as to who exactly sent this message. But here is what this person says. I need to call you on something, Rafer. You often refer to young women as young girls. For example, in this week's review of Brooklyn. I take offense and feel that it's demeaning to call someone, presumably in her early 20s or even if she's in her late teens, a girl and not a woman. Plus, it's inaccurate. If I said a young boy, would you picture a person in his early 20s? I don't think so. I personally think young boy or young girl conjures a nine-year-old. Okay, uh, Ellen or Carrie, whoever you are, uh, you're right, I, uh, and uh, I stand corrected. Um, do I often call them young girls? Do I do that, Kristen? I don't know if you do it often, but I, I do notice it occasionally. And actually, okay. I do have to admit, on that episode... I tried to edit around it. Oh, did you? And oh, I I'm co- sorry. And I couldn't edit it out because Whoops, it would, would have cut that. you off in an odd place. But every, every once in a while I hear it during edits. But um, <laughs> can I just say something your wife once said about you? Yes, what? <laughs> Rafer is such a straight man. He sometimes doesn't realize what's coming out of his mouth. That's what Anne has said to me before. <laughs> oh, well. She's like, oh, Kristen, you're such a feminist. And Rafer, he's just a straight dude. <laughs> what can I say? What can I say? I am what I am. I think um, that for a straight dude, though, Rafer, yes. you overall are, you know, you're, you're pretty good. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, I stand corrected. I will try to watch that. Um, I don't think I don't think of um, I don't think of them as young. I guess I, I don't know what I was doing there. I don't I, I think I think I was probably caught between saying young woman and just saying girl. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and and I was going to say one more more thing about that, Rafer. I think the world makes it kind of tough to know what to do because there's men and women, there's boys and girls. Then it's guys and guys and right. And what do you say, right? right gals, guys. gals yeah. is kind of a corny old word, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and then throughout our world and lots of places in you know pop culture and life in general, women refer to themselves as girls a lot. They say it's girls' yeah, night. Yeah, 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 right. It's like, oh, it's girls' night, but you guys are actually not girls. You're exactly. You're all like 45. Exactly. Or and I have also... The, that show The New Girl? The New Girl. Well, or the show Girls. Yeah, um, like The yeah. New Girl, you have Zoe Deschanel, who's well into her mid-30s on her second marriage and has a baby in real life, but right. she's a girl. Right, and I, it's it's true. And I have, and I also have noticed um, um, that I feel that as women get older... They rather enjoy calling themselves girls. 
<laughs> do you know what I mean? You do, I think women will ha- will have a girls' night out, and I think there's something that is kind of maybe I'm just no, maybe I'm just thinking about this in sort of mommy groups and things that I know. But I think there is something about it where they kind of like to they like to go back to their youth in a way. You know what I mean? Like sort of recalling a, a past era. Must be drunk and reckless and yeah. go shopping. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but you're right, and there's and there is kind of no there is kind of no. Um, dignified equivalent for it yeah. as it to just you know guy or dude there's no there's no there's no there's no yeah, counterpart like what for are you it. supposed to say bird, bird. <laughs> <laughs> right. it's, too, it's too bad but i will do one final call out about girls there are, there is one group of girls that i'm okay with them being older and calling themselves girls the golden girls the golden girls you know i love those golden not girls. the spice girls oh oh god Ooh, no okay uh <laughs> all right yes i stand corrected uh uh so thank you to whoever that was for yes, <laughs> for writing yes in. and we really appreciate when you guys write in so write us anytime facebook.com slash movie date podcast or you can also call us at 5717 movies and use that number also for trivia rafer last week for trivia what did we ask well, last week we were talking about By the Sea, uh, a film with uh, Angelina Jolie, who wrote and directed it as well, and her husband, uh, Brad Pitt. And they play a husband and wife whose marriage is on the rocks, um, unwatchable, abysmal film, I thought. Uh, <laughs> terrible, terrible film. Um, but that made us think of uh, other movies about marriages that have kind of hit the skids and are having a little rough patch. And we thought of this one. Here's a clip. When I watch you eat... When I look at you lately, I just want to smash your face in. Smash my face. I want a divorce. You can't have one. We asked you to name that movie, and here's the right answer. Hey, guys, this is your friendly neighborhood Joe Kacharski calling from your friendly neighborhood of Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And I have the answer, at least I believe it's the answer to this week's trivia question, and that is The War of the Roses, um, a film that people probably remember it being a lot better than it actually is. Um, great pairing of Kathleen Turner, Michael Douglas, and Danny DeVito. However, uh, thanks a lot, guys. As always, a uh, great show. And uh, Kristen, glad you're getting better. Keep up the uh, healthy recovery. Good old Joe. We love it when you call in, Joe. We can always depend on Joe. Yes, that's right. War of the Roses with Kathleen Turner and Michael Douglas, who Rafer loves and who I think is creepy. I love him, you know, because I'm a straight man. Love him. Love him. This week, Kristen, what are we going to stump our listeners with? All right. Well, we were talking about Jennifer Lawrence's newest film, The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2. And we were looking back at her resume and remembering some movies that are... Less stellar, less sparkly, less memorable. We're going to play a clip of one of those movies, and we're going to ask you to tell us what it is. Here's the clip. You made this for me. Yesterday. How come? Because there's more that belongs on a wall than Nora has a dead brother. Even if it is a big mess. It's amazing. Funny. I think it's a mess and you think it's amazing. I think you're amazing and you think you're a mess. And you know what? I don't want to think anymore. Wow, what is that amazing movie, Rafer? Hard to believe, isn't it, that she was in that one? <laughs> God, Hard. that movie was bad. Whoo, boy. So All right. terrible. If you know the name of that Jennifer Lawrence classic, give us a call. 5717 movies. 
or you can always write to us at facebook.com slash movie date podcast.